everybody, Brian here. Before we get into this podcast, I have a little addendum here. Right after we recorded this, some more news came out about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland Park that I wanted to share with you because it's some of the stuff that we do talk about in this show. While they haven't really said anything definitive, there is an article in the OC Register on ocregister.com talking about some of the process for entering Galaxy's Edge after the initial reservation period. There is a period where you will need reservations to get into the land. That is from May 31st, it's opening, through June 23rd. Starting June 24th, there will be no more reservations. What there will be is quote-unquote boarding passes that will provide visitors access to Galaxy's Edge. Now, these remind me a little bit of a buzzer you would get at a restaurant. It seems like once you enter the park in the morning, you will be able to get a boarding pass, presumably through the Disneyland app like they do MaxPass, but again, that is just speculation. Once you get the boarding pass, they will kind of call your group, and then you will queue up outside the land to go in. So most of your waiting will be done virtually, so you can kind of wander around. We still don't know any more details than that, but it is more details than we had when we recorded this episode. So just keep that in mind as we talk about some of the operational stuff, and enjoy! Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren, here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Hello. And we have another special guest today. We have Ryan. He is a co-host of the podcast, Backside of Magic. Welcome, Ryan. Hi, thank you. Jeremy, the other co-host, couldn't be here today. But Ryan, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a father of two who uh, lives in the Midwest. And between uh, Jeremy and I, we get down to the to the world probably, I think, over 10 times a year. And so we sort of have been friends for 20 years, and we realized that we both plan our trips to the nth degree and started comparing notes and realized that we, as much as we talk to each other about Disney, we should start a podcast. And so we did that about three years or so ago. And we're really focused on how to get the most out of your trip, and whether that's saving money or just figuring out the nooks and crannies of all the Disney systems. And uh, that's basically what we do. Awesome. And you can find them on backsideofmagic.com. And we will give you a little more information at the end of this show. Last episode, we covered all of the new stuff coming to Walt Disney World in the next few years that doesn't involve Star Wars. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and do so after this one. And Ryan, can you kind of talk to us and explain what we're going to be discussing today? Yeah, when we um, first started thinking about collaborating on an episode, the hot topic now and that has been for a while um, has been Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And really with the opening announced for that, I started thinking, what is that really going to look like? Because I did not expect to get into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on my any of my upcoming trips because Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything planned for December or thereafter. And then when they moved Mm -hmm. up so far, um, I actually do have a trip in October. And so I started thinking to myself, oh, I really have to think about this now. And we've said it's going to be awful and there's going to be, you know, not awful that it's going to be great and that it's going to be mm-hmm. fun, but the crowds are going to be awful. <laughs> yes. Yep. And so I actually have to think about that now. And what does we, what do we mean by awful? Like 
do we mean, you know, it's going to be like Christmas time crowds or is this some new super secret level of awfulness of crowds? Yeah. And so I wanted to try and just, you know, think about what we know about it and try and get a visualization of what that might actually be. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit just very briefly, very briefly, because we are going to do an episode more in depth about Galaxy's Edge. Um, Probably several. (laughs) Probably several. I think we even talked about having Len on for an episode. Um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is opening at Disneyland May 31st. Brian is going to be at the opening for that. And Walt Disney World, August 29th, I am going to be at the opening for that. It's going to be 14 acres, going to be really nice. The first phase, it's going to open in two phases. The Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is going to be the first attraction open for that. Following phase two will be Rise of the Resistance. No fast passes are going to be offered at either, which is something we're going to talk about a little bit later. But Disneyland Resort guests will be able to make a designated reservation for free. And there will be a single rider line, which will be nice. Now, uh, quickly, do you guys know if there will be reservations available for people who are not Disneyland Resort guests? They haven't officially said that yet. The way it's worded makes it sound like there will be, because what they they say, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but so I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little, but basically they imply that Disneyland Resort guests will definitely receive a reservation mm-hmm. and that reservations are needed to get in. They don't mention what happens if you're not a Disney hotel guest, but my my assumption is that they will still make some reservations available, but they just aren't sure how many mm-hmm. Or anything like that, because as we've been hearing a lot this past week now, apparently all of the hotel rooms at the three Disneyland hotels out there are all full for the opening. So there might not be a lot of reservations left. Yeah. Well, it is only yeah. three hotels. And right. yeah. one thing was curious to me is for if they do it for people who are off site, I guess the logistics of that seemed really interesting because they don't have near the digital sort of file on you out there with, mm-hmm. you know, everything's day of and you you know load your ticket in that day into the app and all that kind of stuff that if they're going to do it again digitally, or if they're going to be handing out some kind of paper thing, I just... Do you have any ideas on that? Disney's been very mum on anything operational with uh, with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is is frustrating for for us and you as well, I'm sure. So they haven't said, but Disneyland does still do a lot of stuff non-electronically. I was very surprised. I was there in October, and we went to a a Mickey's Halloween party in the in. Uh, Disneyland. And I was very shocked when we reserved it. We had to reserve it over the phone at the time. And then they just sent me like plastic tickets that I had to bring with me. Wow. So I, I imagine it will be something similar to that. Or maybe if you're off site, yeah, that they will just straight up mail you something. I, I don't know. Because presumably they will make the reservations available many many weeks in advance and they will be gone immediately. So, you know, it seems a little risky doing that, you know, having them be free reservations for people who aren't staying on property. Like how are people going to show up? Are they going to sell them? Yeah, exactly. It's and it's entirely possible that they don't, that just for the first like weekend, they just say, no, it's only hotel guests. Um, In which case there'll be a lot of people that are very angry, but yeah, hotel guests, they they can clearly, Put put it on the room key even because they still do that for extra mm-hmm. magic hours. You have to carry around your uh, room key out there. All right. Well, it doesn't solve the outside offsite problem. I mean, I guess I got off on a, a little tangent with that, but yeah. we can go back to the original question. 
Are we thinking that Galaxy's Edge is going to have those Christmas, New Year's crowds? Are the tens just restricted to Galaxy's Edge and the rides? Or, you know, is this going to kind of expand? Ryan, what do you kind of expect? We kind of, we have some information on the touring plan site as far as, you know, closures in the past at Disney World. Oh, yeah. I was really looking forward to any inf- information you guys may have available on that. Just from the Turing Plans public facing website, it does say that Hollywood Studios actually did close, did a phase closure uh, twice um, below there almost 10 mm-hmm. years ago at this point. So I didn't know yep. if you guys thought phase closures for Hollywood Studios were on the table or what? I mean, I, I think, yeah, probably. The only two times it's ever if it's ever hit closure, it was the phase two one, which I I believe is where like all resort guests and people who have been in the park previously that day and that kind of stuff can still get in. It's not, it's not a very hard closure, but both of those were during, during Christmas week in 2009 and 2011. I wouldn't be surprised if we hit a phase closure during Christmas week this year and very potentially right when galaxy's edge opens, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's so hard to, to judge because the, left side of the park we'll say as as you walk in where galaxy's edge is is going to be just insanely busy but the other side and like sunset you know sunset boulevard where you know tower terror rock and roller coaster might might be very very reasonable and possibly even on the empty side it's hard to tell how much capacity galaxy's edge is actually going to bring to to hollywood studios and the phased openings might affect it too if rise of the resistance opens before Christmas, which I, I assume it's supposed to, then I think, you know, Christmas week could see some some phase closures. But it it doesn't happen a lot. We didn't see any phase closures with Animal Kingdom when Pandora opened. Animal Kingdom, of course, is a bigger park though. So right. my instinct is that yeah, we're going to see like not not like every day, but maybe one or two during Christmas week and possibly like August, you know, 29th or 30th, maybe they will see, you know, the, the phase one or phase two closures. And I think maybe also whatever date they decide to actually open Rise of the Resistance, that would sort of be another yeah. date to potentially look at the phase. Closures. Yeah, it, because because again, you'll probably get a lot of the, the locals and, and things that will head over just to, to ride that. So yeah, that's, that is definitely potential. It also depends a little bit on how they decide to deal with the crowds getting into the land. Like we said, they've uh, Disney, when I say they, I, I generally meaning Disney in this case, but they've said that they are going to give these reservations for the first like three weeks that Galaxy's Edge is open in Disneyland. They have not said that about Disney World. Nope. Now, we, we are under, working under the assumption right now that they are not just going to let people come and line up for the land mm-hmm. in the park. That seems very, very inefficient and kind of dangerous to have people at the end of August just standing out in Hollywood studios for like four hours, but they haven't said what they're going to do. It's also, it's very possible that they will give timed re-entry passes like Universal did for Diagon Alley. And I believe they did something similar to that with, with Pandora, where they were giving out like fast passes for flight of passage. Um, and that was like the only way you could get into the land is if you had one, something, uh, something like that. I, I 
don't remember my memory's failing me a little bit at the moment. So it's possible if they do timed passes like that, that may regulate the crowds a little bit as well with people maybe deciding like, oh, well, my, my re-entry to Galaxy's Edge isn't for like five more hours. I'm going to go to Epcot for a while Ugh. or something like that. You well, know? And do you think because maybe this was a more last minute decision to open so early, they're still just figuring this out? Yeah, that is 100% what is happening. Yeah, I mean, so um, they're kind of keeping you, everyone in the dark because they're just like, eh, how do we want to do this? I have heard from like the Club 33 people at Disney World that even like the VIP tours and the, the Club 33 tours and all that stuff that they are making available, they were completely blindsided by the opening date. They did not know it was coming. They did not know it was going to be that early. So we, we assume that that is company-wide. <laughs> Uh, we've heard a couple stories about people being very surprised when uh, Bob Iger made that announcement. And I think wow. another reason they may be holding off on things is I think they very, very much want to see what's how it goes at, in Disneyland. Yeah. To right. Totally. Yeah. Normal. See if that reservation system or whatever they're doing works and then go mm. from there. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, although that, that specific system, I don't think they can use it. Disney World, there's there's too, too many, many resorts. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So now, I mean, they may make it that you have to be a hotel guest to even like try to get one. Yeah, but even that, I doubt would guarantee you one. So it's going to be tricky at World because you're gonna they're going to be balancing having people the the actual operational side of it with trying to make sure that people aren't like furious that they made a trip to come see this and now they can't get into it at all. So Well, I can't see them doing a paid reservation because like you said, people would be furious. I made this trip. Why do I have to pay running out of fast passes, which they're not doing right now, but let's talk about those 10 out of 10 crowd days. So first of all, if you, if you are new to kind of our crowd calendar, our crowd calendar doesn't refer to people in the park. It refers to wait times And a 10 out of 10 in February is going to look very different than a 10 out of 10 during Christmas. The reason we kind of have it from a 1 to 10 scale is like that's just a 10 is what we max out on. We could change Christmas to like a 12 or a 14, but we don't. So um, yes, what you see in February at a 10 is going to look very, very different. So we are assuming that Star Wars is probably going to be a 20 if we did adjust the crowd calendar. Right, Ryan? Well, again, I mean, anything around Galaxy's Edge will definitely be extremely busy, but we're not 100% sure that the rest of Disney World is actually going to be that bad. Right. Um, you know, I, I mean, when Pandora opened Animal Kingdom, the, the wait times around Pandora went up a lot, but the rest of the park went up, I think it was like 15, 20%. And the other parks in Walt Disney World saw very little increase. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of assuming it's going to be a little bit more than that. Like Hollywood Studios doesn't have a lot of rides to start with. So presumably the wait times for those will go up, uh, especially I think if, uh, and again, this is, is operational, so we don't know for sure, but we're thinking that everything looks like they're going to use the, the Grand Avenue side as the entrance to Star Wars Land and most likely the Toy Story Land side as the exit. Okay. Which So I assume the Toy Story Land attractions are going to be busy as well from people exiting the land. But like Rock and Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror, maybe they won't go up that much. Yeah. And the rest of, of Walt Disney World probably won't. I mean, it might jump like a point, maybe two points from yeah. where we had predicted in September. Because September is, is traditionally a very slow time to be there. So it might come up to like a medium time. But I doubt that we're going to see tens at other parks for 
for at all, probably until Christmas or well, Thanksgiving, there'll be some tens. And then Christmas, of course, will be well, all tens. I think when we chatted with Steve, when we did our YouTube live, he said the most that they were seeing were like a 25% increase. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like Animal Kingdom or Magic Kingdom. So it's really yeah. not that bad. And if anybody if anybody missed that on our YouTube to pay uh, channel a few weeks ago, we did a live uh, chat about Star Wars and the crowds with with Steve, one of our statisticians. That um, I am still planning on releasing the audio of that as a podcast. So um, you will, if you are listening to this, just keep an eye on the feed. It will probably come out in a few days. I guess one last right. thing to think about on the crowds as they spread around Hollywood Studios, and that is very shortly before this. Star Wars opening that we're expecting a runaway railway as well. So that should oh, add some right. capacity too. Right. I keep forgetting about that. Jeez. Well, and, and Brian, we also talked about that and we were thinking that, well, we're, we're hearing that that might open about a week before galaxy's edge. will. yeah, geez. from a capacity standpoint, you know, it has to be there to accommodate the crowds. And I know they're really excited internally about it. So it'll be good. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's it's strange because it's going to get just get buried <laughs> when with Galaxy's Edge. I almost feel bad for the designers. Of I it, know. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, but yeah, Ryan, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I legitimately keep forgetting that it's opening. I think, and it, it will more, be a great ride. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go much, ahead. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I'm I'm thinking of it as sort of a carrot to pull people out of Star Wars Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge, and generally, any fast passes people may have overall can be something to pull people out of the land. Cause I know even if I'm going to a park, I'm going to pre-schedule fast passes. It's, I'm just going to do mm-hmm. it. Even if I planned on staying in star Wars galaxy's edge all day, I would still just be compulsive to, to plan fast passes. And then that same sort of compulsion is if I see one on my account, I, I don't want to let it just evaporate and not, uh, not use it. So I think if anybody's like me at all, that may be a reason that, that people get pulled out of galaxy's edge and free up a little more right room. no i think you're not the only one that feels that way i mean at the end of the day these people are going to enjoy a trip to walt disney world and mm-hmm. star wars galaxy's edge is a big reason for that if they're star wars star wars fans but realistically it's going to be high crowds they're not going to spend all of their time there they're going to see other attractions they're going to go to other parks so i think those those fast passes will take them away so i think you're right Especially if they end up doing like a timed re-entry where you have to go to the park and then pull like, you know, almost like a, a paper fast pass that says when you can re-enter. If they do end up doing something like that, people might have a few hours to to kind of kill. So, yeah, they're going to need all the all the rides they can get in, in that park. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ryan, you did a little bit of math, which I was reading it through and I'm like, it was bringing me back to like high school algebra and then I was getting anxiety. But you did some kind of flight of passage, uh, smugglers run, historic wait times. You know, I I can't even describe it. So I'm going to have you describe kind of what you did and talk us through it. And I'll just ask questions and Brian can chime in because I know he gets it. Sure. Again, trying to think about what are the lines going to look like and for um, smugglers run. And I guess the biggest wait times that I've ever seen in the parks were um, this past December, I saw a posted wait time of 310 minutes, which is a little bit over six hours. And that, you know, if anybody's seen even your normal first thing in the morning flight of passage standby line, you know, it fills their normal queue. It comes out of the queue, goes down 
sort of wooden walkway to Africa, comes back, and then even sometimes gets all the way back over mm-hmm. to to Tiffins. Well, even even this, as we record this, it's basically spring break time, and it's been uh, I've seen it out to Pizza Fari. Yeah, okay, uh, this week. So and so, oh my gosh. Yeah, and what are the? Did you see uh, any posted wait times associated with that? I I haven't. Although it's funny, we just uh, we we internally just had a discussion about this recently about the highest recorded wait times, and uh, so I can tell you what our highest recorded wait times were. Disney World. It was Flight of Passage, December sixteenth, two thousand seventeen, three hundred and ninety minutes. The highest overall was at Gringotts at uh, Universal Studios Florida. On July 8th, 2014, which I think was either its opening day or like the day after, it was 450 minutes. So, okay. So those are the highest recorded wait times we have. And Fly the Passage right now is posted at 165 minutes. Yeah. Much more reasonable. So, yeah. And, it is, and we're recording this at around all, you know 11.30 a.m. Eastern. So that's not as high as it's going to get today. <laughs> no. So, yeah. So I took the Flight of Passage as being sort of the best analogous mm-hmm. thing we have right now that um, mm-hmm. I think even in, in its heyday, you know, when Anna, Anna and Elsa were the, the biggest thing, they never got to six hours that I remember. Yeah, well, they didn't post wait time. So we, uh, we don't have okay. that one recorded. So it was always just kind of a, Oh, people in line were saying it took them six hours. So mm-hmm. we don't have that. It's possible that that was around the same length of time. But. Okay. And I think Yikes. it's, as you guys know, there's always a difference between what the posted wait time is and then what, you, mm-hmm. what touring planes is able to sort of determine as actual wait times. But in general, we, we find that the posted wait time tends to overestimate by about 20%, uh, give or take, depending. Flight of Passage uh, actually tends to overestimate by a little bit more than that, I think. It does seem like the longer the line gets, the more they'll bump up the posted time as a way to kind of try to stop people from getting in line. <laughs> mm-hmm. We always called it the balking point where this is the point where people will say, okay, that's too much. I'm not waiting, which flight of passage has, has broken a lot of those rules on us because people st- seem to still want to get in line, even when it says 300 minutes, which yeah. I cannot fathom. But. Yeah. So anyway, I was, I was taking the, these wait times that we've seen at flight of passage and trying to port them over a little bit to the at least Star Wars Smuggler's Run, the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. ride, for and thinking about this in the portion of time when that's going to be the only ride open. And I think on uh, Jim and Len's couple episodes ago on their podcast, mm-hmm. I think Jim thought it was maybe at this point only a three to four week gap with between the two. Did I hear that right? That's what he said is that it's not very far behind. So I imagine by the time Galaxy's Edge opens, we'll probably get a date for Rise of the Resistance, but mm-hmm. it's anyone's guess what that's going to be. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's I think that's fair. But anyway, the, the numbers that I ran were sort of for the for this little section of time when I'm thinking Galaxy's uh, just one of the rides is going to be open. So I guess the first thing I thought about is what if we take the same amount of people that are in that line for Flight of Passage and push it over and say that's in sort of the, the line that we would see for um, Smuggler's Run. If you think about Flight of Passage, um, it has a capacity of around 1,500 people. Is, is that a, a fair estimate? Yeah, I, I, think, range, I think it's but, around there, yeah. yeah. Well, it ranges a lot because of the process to get people into those little rigs can sometimes vary highly. So, okay. I, uh, but yeah, 1500 seems pretty reasonable. I think also it's some, you know, some screens can go down, but it seems like that has uh, leveled out a bit lately from my uh, layman view. 
But if you take 1500, we think about 20% of that is dedicated to standby. And I base that off of mm-hmm. the, I've seen a bunch of cards that are at the merge points for cast members telling them to, in, under normal circumstances, let in four people from a uh, fast pass line for every one person they let in at standby. So if you take that, that 20% for standby, you know, 300 people, uh, an hour they're processing out of their standby line. So a four hour line at flight of passage is 1500 people. The data I've seen for Falcon, the Falcon ride says it's going to have a capacity of 1800 people an hour. Mm-hmm. And as we've discussed here, that's going to be all dedicated to the standby line because there will be no fast pass. Although I haven't heard anything about disability passes or rider swap. Have you heard anything about that? No, they haven't. Mm-hmm. They haven't said anything about that. Or even um, I know I've heard some people asking about like, as they are running like VIP tours into mm-hmm. Galaxy's Edge on the opening days. Um, and even that they haven't really said like how they're going to do that. Cause normally they, you can just go through the fast pass line yeah. right. with the VIP. And if there isn't one, but I think in the future it will have fast pass. So presumably there is a fast pass line yeah, be. Um, that they will use for like the, the DAS cards and, and things like that. So Presumably, it will be a very small number initially. Yeah. So I guess for purposes of my, these little calculations, I assume that the, all the capacity is going to standby, that anything that otherwise mm-hmm. would be negligible. So yeah. if you take all those people that are standing in the normal flight of passage fast pass, Falcon could actually handle that, those uh, 1,500 people in only 50 minutes. So mm-hmm. that's good news. And I think that's one of the reasons maybe they are trying to initially go without fast pass is just because they know people are going to line up regardless. And so, yeah. And I think that that was, I think that's really smart doing it without fast pass because it will, at the very least it will move fairly continuously, which Mm -hmm. people are always happier when they're moving, even if it's a long line. Yeah, very much so. And I know a lot of people are wondering like, why aren't they doing fast passes? And I think that's a big reason why is so that the line will continue to move. Mm Mm-hmm. And although I will say, I, I think, I think the 1800 people an hour is, is there, I, I don't know if that's a reasonable expected capacity or if that's their max capacity. Cause I find it hard to believe, especially at the beginning that they're going to hit their, their max capacity one, because I'm sure there will be some, some technical issues. There always are, but also the amount of time it's going to take people to actually sit down in the chairs after walking into the Falcons cockpit <laughs> is going to a while yeah I, I know i know i for one will be you know videotaping and touching buttons and you know yelling for people to jump to hyperspace and the cast members will be glaring the entire time and he's gonna be to sit in my seat and he and len are gonna be wearing a han solo and lando calarissian suit so people are gonna want pictures they're gonna be a distraction yeah you will not be the only ones but anyway we said yeah, the uh, that that normal flight of passage queue that, that we see, you know, of insane lengths could actually be swallowed by for the Falcon in 50 minutes. So yeah. we talked about the, you talked about your, the bulking limit of how long people will stand in line. And it's clearly well over 50 minutes. So we're not saying, I'm not saying here that we're expecting the line to only be 50 minutes. Cause that's ridiculous. Not right. only because that line at flight of passage, it, there's tons of people who may might get into it, but for the fact that they do have fast passes, not to mention the fact that Star Wars is much more popular than Pandora. So the second way I took a a look at this and I said, well, you know, Flight of Passage has, let's say, you know, a five hour 
waiting time that we would expect Star Wars to have a longer line before people hit that sort of balking limit. And what's, what's I'm saying balking limit. What's the actual term you use? The balking point. Okay, balking yeah. point. Yeah. So yep. whereas, you know, five hours is kind of an ex- this upper edge of flight of passage. Yeah. I think perhaps that's maybe going to be a normal line for the early days of Falcon. Mm-hmm. You think that's a, a reasonable thing? I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked even a little bit if it was regularly hitting 300 minutes or more. But like you said, the, the, without the fast pass, if there are no technical problems, which is is a big if, you know, it, it might take a while for it to even get that high. Like you said, if it does, if it is swallowing even 1500 people an hour, there's going to have to be a lot of people in that line to make it a five hour line. So I wouldn't be shocked if the weights were actually a little lower than we expected. Now, I mean, lower than we expected means probably 180 to 10 in that range. Right. But yeah, I, I think at the beginning, it's it's going to be very, very high. I don't know. We haven't heard yet what how, how many people the queue can actually hold. Flight of Passage is somewhere in the two-hour range for the standby queue before it starts sticking out the, the front, if they're using the entire queue. Um, I assume Smuggler's Run is probably around there as well. Although for Galaxy's Edge, it doesn't look like they really have a ton of space to put people once they stick out the door of the queue. It's kind of just right in the middle of the Black Spire outpost there. So I do wonder where they're going to throw everybody once once the line does get that long. Yeah. But sorry, I went on a very long rant there when you asked me a simple no, question. No, that that's totally what I'm trying to think about. Because if you have a four-hour line for Falcon with that's only standby, that's 7,200 people if, if it's at the 800, mm-hmm. 1,800 capacity. And that's six times as long as the flight of passage line. So we've got, think about the line that, as you said, takes the entire two hour in the normal line, goes all the way down to Africa, comes back, and then maybe goes back to Pete Safari. Six times that line. And if you have a five hour line for Falcon, then it's seven and a half times that. So, you know, I think initially maybe they can wind some people into the rise of the resistance queue. And clearly they've got some ideas on putting people in Grand Avenue, but even if you do the timed reentry for the land, if you, they're not, they're specifically not doing timed reentry because that's what um, fast pass is for the ride. And if you're going to have seven times as many as long of a line as what we see for flight of passage, that's a clear yeah. logistical problem. One at that point, they would have to figure out some kind of reentry because where are you going to put all those people? Like it kind of, I don't know if it becomes a safety issue, but in a way, I mean, that's a lot of people in the park just waiting. And that kind of interrupts traffic and that's more work for cast members. And so you'd kind of have to figure out something else. And at that point, you kind of go back to fast passes. I'll be curious to know what the actual capacity for the land is going to be when they open. Because if they do a if they do a timed re-entry type thing for the land, it's possible that they're just, you know, if they limit it to say five or 10,000 people, that might keep the, the Falcons' weights down a little bit because they're just you know, there will be people that are just exploring the land rather than, than waiting in line. Like if you're saying if they only keep the line within the 14 acres of the land? Well, I think they almost are going to have to do that if unless they're just going to allow people to, uh, you know, you know, there's always, they could always do something where to get into the land, you kind of have to wait in the line for the ride as well. Or uh, I believe Steve had actually suggested this too, where, 
basically they route the exit of the Millennium Falcon like straight out of the land. So <laughs> when you after you ride mm-hmm. the ride, you have to leave yeah. so that people will purposely wait to ride it until like they know they want to leave the land. I mean, there's there's ways like that, but again, where it's located is not right near the exit to the land either. So it is a tricky, interesting math problem. And I'll be curious to see what they do with it because yeah, I have a feeling this line is just going to wrap itself like all the way around the land and make it very hard to see anything else. A bigger line within the land will make the land harder to see because, you know, there's like six markets slash shops, you know, and there's about the same as many like restaurants and quick service. So that's all going to be harder to see if the line kind of interrupts all of that. So like you said, Brian, it is going to be interesting to see how they deal with that. And if it leaves the land, that line, that standby line. And I mean, honestly, you brought up another point there. Those when Hogsmeade first opened uh, the Wizarding World of, of Harry Potter in, in Islands of Adventure, there were lines for the shops <sighs> to get in because the shops were all relatively small and themed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they're doing here too. So it's possible. There, there was 100% going to be a line for Oga's Cantina, especially in the beginning. People will want to get in there and it, it is not a big place. Creating a lightsaber. The, oh, yeah. That, uh, yeah if well, you want to take advantage one, of the stuff that's interactive in the land, you need some of those things. Yeah, it's yeah the, the Savi's Workshop, the lightsaber making. Now, that one might be like a uh, the Jedi Training uh, Academy okay. where you have to sign up for that like in the morning or something like that. Hmm. But still, that will be busy. Docking Bay 7, the place that sells the most food, that in Oga's Cantina, I think that you know might get a line. Heck, the milk stand will probably have a line the first day. Yeah. So there might be 15 different lines in this land, uh, you know, that, that they're going to have to deal with. Because again, you don't want people coming out of this the first day saying, well, I only did one thing because I had to wait two hours to get a, get blue milk. Like, right. You know. Brian, how are we going to film this all? How are we going to get it all done in like three days? We are hopefully going to jump on our, our the, a, a VIP tour that our boss is paying hey, for. And we are not going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, not sleeping will be a lot of it, I'm sure. Lots of coffee. Yeah, I like the idea of artificially sort of limiting the the line by, you know, saying, you know, if, if it's over a two-hour line, we're not going to let anybody else into the land at all right now. And maybe that's because, they, yeah. as you note, they, they don't have the room to actually handle that line. That makes a bit of sense to me. It's reasonable, but they're going to create some of the most hated cast members too, I think, within well, the park. Yeah. You can't show which up is that unfortunate. And not know that you're going to experience yeah. I, I, I mean, they're, they're already warning people. There's a big banner on – if you just go to Disney World's website, there's a big banner already saying like this is the information. Not everyone will – it says – we're excited about the latest details. And then when you, when you click on it, like it says like right real big on the, that page, like not everyone will get in. Like, don't, don't, don't yell at us basically. And I hope people Um, are kind to the cast members during that time because they're excited to be working in this land. It's an honor for them. So I I do hope that they're treated with kindness. You'll get, I mean, you'll, you'll get a lot of every blogger and YouTube person will be there that day along with us. And you'll get a lot of locals at both parks. And those are the types of people that will 100% understand how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. But there will be, you know, there will be some people that are there, you know, it's the last day of their family trip and they really wanted to see it and they'll be getting angry. That's just, 
it unfortunately just happens. But but Ryan, I think you had a good point too when you said that with uh, Disney World that they're they're waiting to see how Disney Lands works out quite a bit because, uh, and I think that's exactly right. I think they are going to really try to control how Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge works mm-hmm. and see if they can get away with that at Disney World too. Oh yeah. Because Disneyland is such a locals park, I think they can get away with angering people a lot more, a lot easier out there because they know those people will still be back no matter what. Where Disney World, you get a lot of people that have made this their their one big trip, and you know, oh, so I think they're they're I think they definitely are going to use Disneyland as a testing ground for how far they can kind of limit people on this stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think it's much more plausible that maybe even locals would stay away from the first couple mm-hmm. days to not have to deal with this crowd. Whereas a lot of the people going to world, you know, probably already had their vacations on the books or vacation schedules made and that kind of stuff. And they are not going to be able to uh, artificially stay away. And really there's the, what happened to you? You know, the people who had a trip planned before Galaxy's Edge thinking like, I'm just going to fit one more in. And this is happening to a lot of people. They're now in the situation where they're planning their trip within Galaxy's Edge opening. And they're kind of like, okay, well, do I just want to go see it because it's there? Do I want to try to avoid it? And that's something that we also talked about in that YouTube live that Brian is going to upload the audio of coming up. Brian, did you have another point that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I guess the other thing I was thinking about was what are the hours going to look like for the park um, around this time of opening? If you think about what they've done for uh, Toy Story and Pandora in the times that mm-hmm. were shortly after their openings, they were generally moving up the opening times to eight o'clock and then having like an extra magic hour every day to open at seven. And then sometimes even having extra magic hours at night that went until 1am. Mm-hmm. So if you did both those things, that would give you an 18 hour operational day, which I think that's a probably on the outer edges of what they, they could do. Are we expecting that? Do you think? I think so. I mean, I think they'll definitely extend it. I mean, right now the park hours for Hollywood studios on like the day galaxy's edge opens on, on August uh, 29th is, is like 9am to 8.30 PM, which is, exactly. <laughs> but um, they're definitely going to extend them. I think at a minimum, We'll see, you know, maybe like an 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. kind of day. And they've already said, I believe, that that at Disney World, Galaxy's Edge will be open for extra magic hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, it will not be at Disneyland, which is yeah. interesting, again, I think, huh. because they are really just wanting to deal with these reservations. And they do not want people lining up there in any way, apparently. Well, also um, out there, if you buy, I think, was it a three-day or more ticket, you get that extra magic morning yep. at Disneyland. And yeah. they're specifically yeah. not giving the, well, as far as we know yet, not giving the people offsite the access pass to there. So I think there's a dichotomy. Well, there. plus if it was, if they've already said that they're going, it's, it's going to be all pre-reserved, they maybe don't, just don't want people to have to, to be trying to reserve for like extra magic hour times. Okay. And they don't want people that get into the land during extra magic hour and then stay. And that, you know, so I get that a little bit more, but since it, they have said that it will be open for extra magic hours at Disney world, it makes me think that maybe they, that they might do the everyday extra magic hour, at least for a little bit. 
if not if not for several months, which is what they did for both Pandora and Toy Story Land. The only thing that makes me that makes me hesitate a little bit with that is that basically since those two lands have opened, they have started doing these early morning magic events and yep. after hours events yep. at all these parks, which are, uh, if you are not familiar, they are paid events that you can basically pay the early morning magic. Um, you pay to get into the park about 75 to 90 minutes early. Uh, it includes breakfast at one of the quick services at either, and they do it for Fantasyland and for Toy Story Land. The after hours is basically like an extra magic hours, except you pay for it. And there are far fewer people in the park. So um, they do that at Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios, yeah. I believe. Or is it just, yeah. yeah. So I would imagine that they could charge almost <laughs> anything they wanted for the either of those events that included Galaxy's yeah. Edge. Yeah. So I could almost see them doing that. And I know, I know Steve Bloom, our statistician, is uh, uh, his cynical mind thinks that they will definitely do that like almost immediately. Yeah. So I, I could see maybe them having slight, maybe doing a 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. regular day. But then like three days a week doing an early morning magic or an after hours uh, for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, and and like I said, they could charge $500 for them and they would probably sell out in a day. So Oh, no doubt. Um, yeah. A little bit more on what I was thinking about. And that is that 18 that hour day I was talking about. It's sort of the probably the mm-hmm. quote unquote best case scenario as far as capacity. And so with yeah. an 18 hour day and the 1800 people per hour capacity of, of smugglers run that gives you 32,400 people a day. And from what I see of the average daily attendance, that's a little under half. And then if the, obviously if the crowds are swelling at Hollywood series, it's even further under half the people that, that are in the park on that day are going to be able to ride Falcon. So I think that, yeah. mm-hmm. I guess that that's surprising on one hand, but it mm-hmm. starts to make a little more sense that if you, assume a somewhat similar throughput on rise of the resistance which i don't what is that i don't have that off the top of my head do you have you seen estimates for that no i i don't know either i feel like it's more but um it's possible they haven't that, that nobody's quite figured that out yet yeah so again if if we're expecting this big bolus of people for hollywood studios but yet only half we only have the capacity to let half of them ride smugglers run that's that's potentially a problem yeah well, and and that's you know that that is a problem that they deal with with all the rides. It it is, it is fairly shocking to realize that like oh only a tenth of the people in Animal Kingdom in any given day can ride Flight of Passage or something like. That. I don't think it's quite that small, but but that that is not an unusual problem. Okay. And uh, I mean now it might be an unusual problem for this particular ride because presumably most of the people in Hollywood studios at the time will want to ride it mm-hmm. where maybe that isn't the case with, with everything, but yeah, you know, I, I just, I don't know what else there, there's really not nothing they can do about it. And I guess some, so, some of that capacity of uh, some of the people will be height restricted out, obviously. So it's not, I guess the number of people that the percentage of people that will be able to ride it who are eligible based on height is higher. Mm-hmm. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how everything changes. I mean, when Rise of the Resistance is introduced. And I mean, by then everything will be figured out. So there will be less unknowns. But I think right now there's just, there are so many unknowns. And 
I just, I think everyone would be happier when it's all figured out. This is just me adding my two cents because I've been so quiet for so long listening to you guys. I just wanted to feel included. But I mean, it's also true. There's so many unknowns right now. Once that's all figured out, once Rise of the Resistance is introduced, people will be able to get on one of two rides and that will kind of help stabilize the crowds a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and like I said, I mean, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway will be new. It will work itself out possibly quicker than like, Pandora has, especially because there'd be a lot more to do in Galaxy's Edge other than the rides yes. uh, compared to Pandora. I mean, I mean, Pandora is a beautiful land and I love it, but there's it's not really, a lot it's, to it's, do. Yeah, it's two rides and one quick service, and then like a couple of really small and gift some shops drums like, attached to the rides. You can play drums, it. right? Yeah, oh yes, drums, of course. Yeah, um, and a guy in a robot suit, guy in a robot suit, and a um, plant you can touch. <laughs> yeah, so you know it's it, it's gorgeous, but there isn't a lot to do in the land. Where Galaxy's Edge, it seems like they're trying to make as much to do as as possible uh, that isn't the ride. And I've been uh, since we mentioned, it, I've been kind of trying to Google the capacity for Rise of the Resistance, and I don't see it anywhere. Um, I see many people mentioning that eighteen hundred per hour number from Millennium Falcon. So Disney must have release that officially but uh, it seems like they didn't for it's just an echo chamber rise, so. and everybody just reposted it yeah like that 28 minute run time or uh, ride through time for rise of the resistance that disney actually finally had to come out and say like yeah no that's not true and it it legitimately started because uh um i'm blanking on her name but a very good uh blogger for um Orlando Park Stop, I believe, had commented that it could be like up to that. And <laughs> no, everybody that's a fact. That right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But going back to how interactive it is, it really is going to be hard to make people leave because, you know, they're, they're connecting the Play Disney Parks app to it oh, in yeah. a lot of different ways. So did you say Steve or Fred said that it'd be a good idea to just have them leave right um, after they experience the attraction. Steve, yeah, Steve. that was one of his one of his suggestions is that you once you ride Smuggler's Run, you have to leave the land, which which would work. I, I'm not sure logistically how they would do it, unless they almost took you like backstage to get you around things afterwards. But although I don't know exactly where the exit from Smuggler's Run is, but I assume it's just the other side of of the Millennium Falcon. There. If they but, did that, I um, think you'd see a lot of people having i'm gonna get in line for smugglers run and like the rest of my family is gonna go and walk around the and in right. i'm gonna hold the place in line you're gonna see yeah. tons of people holding places in line and then you know my family comes back and switches the group that's staying in line yeah which hopefully yeah, yeah. you don't but because it is so interactive people will be staying in the land for hours because there's so yeah. much to do and disney is making it that way which is awesome but it doesn't do much for the crowd congestion. <laughs> for the crowd flow, yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe they'll do it. The uh, there's a I don't know. I think it's it's national or semi-national. It's a trampoline park company called Sky Zone, where um, you know you pay for like an hour of of jumping on all their various trampolines, and they give you like a colored sticker that the kids like stick on their like back or chest mm -hmm. or something so that the workers know like, Oh, well that color is time is done. Like, like honestly, they'll probably, they'll just do something. They'll just be like, here is a sticker and put it on your, just slap it on your back. When so, you they're gonna, in, so they know when they're going to sweep leave. the park, like they do for the parties. <laughs> yeah, huh. yeah, for real. No um, that's, that is a problem. Like, I don't know how they can. And, and I, I, I mean, presumably they had that problem with Diagon Alley when that opened. Cause that's, that's very similar in, in it's, 
it's it's not as big, obviously, but in its depth of of theme, yeah, I think of- it is similar to what Galaxy's Edge is, is supposed to be. Um, and they did the timed entries there, so um, I guess you just kind of have to assume, like, okay, people will spend like almost like restaurants do with reservations. You just figure out a time that you think people will be there for. And then you hope that's close. Yeah. I think I go back to the you know, right. the fact that people will have fast passes and will have ADRs to, to and that'll be a big yeah. draw to pull people out of the land. And I, I liked your question that you wrote in our, in our notes, how likely is Disney to change course and allow fast passes from day one? I guess, you know, Let's see how it goes from the Disneyland opening is really the best response. Yeah. If the hardcore people really go out to land, you know, and then there, there'll be videos mm-hmm. online at that point. And, you know, anybody, but again, anybody who has to write it first day, first day is really out in land. Yeah. Yeah. They had always planned Disneyland to open. In fact, I think the initial plan was around six months early and it's actually not, not going to be that, that mm-hmm. much. So uh, Disney world seems to have caught up construction wise a little bit. Some people seem to think that this was Walt Disney World falling behind, but from the day they announced these Galaxy's Edge, uh, the Star Wars lands, Disney lands was always supposed to open first. And I've always kind of assumed that that was part of their plan was, okay, this way we will, you know, we don't get as much, I guess, secondary media attention in Disneyland, which, you know, they, they you know, the, the less major outlets like, like us and, you know, all the other blogs that, that kind of hang around Orlando. So maybe that, that is part of the plan is to pull some of that out to California and lessen it for, for Disney world. But I think it is to their advantage that it is more than 60 days between their openings because they can see Disneyland's and then say, Oh, you know what, I think we should do fast pass and say, okay, now there's going to be fast pass and you will, people will still have time to get them mm-hmm. in the, the normal window. I don't see them adding fast pass for the first couple of days, at least though. Yep. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they said, say like, you know, September 7th or something like that, you could start getting fast passes. I don't think it will take them very long to add them in, but at least for the first three or four days, I, I, I highly doubt they'll, they'll change. Yeah, that. If they don't, yeah. I, I mean, it'll be a mad dash for fast passes for Runaway Railway. I would guess because with as soon as it's it's close as it's being, yeah. I think it'll it's going to be tough either way because if they do institute fast pass for the Star Wars stuff, presumably it would be a tier unto itself. You'd pick one or the other of the two two rides. Oh yeah, well it'll definitely be be that eventually. And, I'm well, sure. and then that would still leave Railway Ooh. as the the, the clear get yeah. that you want in the second tier. My guess, and again, this is a total guess. I we, I have no no knowledge of how they're going to do this. Is that they'll do, it, they'll treat Hollywood Studios like Animal Kingdom for the first you know six months or a year, where um, in Animal Kingdom the two Pandora attractions are in a tier by themselves, and everything else is is in the second tier, as far mm-hmm. as fast passes go. And and for the, if anybody's not familiar, that means that you can get one fast pass for either of the the pandora attractions and then the other two fast passes have have, have to come from the everything else uh section. yeah so i think they will do that with hollywood studios where it'll be just those two and then everything else but in time i could see them just dropping the tiers altogether at hollywood studios because mm-hmm. it's going to be strange to have to choose from those but then be able to get like slinky dog dash which right now is a very hard fast right. pass to get right. and mickey's runaway railway and then you'll still have rock and roller coaster and tower of terror mm-hmm. and good problem um, it, it seems like 
Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Exactly. And Lots of good rides. It makes it almost easier to get those second tier fast passes if you just get like the Rise of the Resistance fast pass, say, and then can grab Mickey's Runaway Railway and Slinky Dog Dash. I mean, that that sets up your day pretty darn well because then you could just obviously you would you would have to rope drop the other star wars ride that day but then you could just go over to, to sunset boulevard and ride those two probably with with no real weight exactly uh, before your fast passes came around so you know here's the big question though would you choose to get a fast pass for smugglers run or rise of the resistance because rise of the resistance has a lot of elements to it and it's a i mean pretty lengthy when you think about it but Smuggler's Run is like the nostalgic ride that everyone's been waiting for since they watched, you know, the original trilogy for the first time. Hmm. Which would you choose? What do you think, yeah, Ryan? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'd want to see if one starts getting a longer line than the other. And that's why this is such a hard question, because every other time that Disney or Universal in, in recent times has opened a land, there has been a very clear number one and number two rides or, or more, I mean, Toy Story land, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Toy Story mania was, was existing already, but Slinky Dog Dash was clearly the, like the more important ride there. Diagon Alley. There's, there's, I mean, even if you include the Hogwarts Express in that, it was still very clear that Escape from Gringotts was, was the big ride there. With, with Hogsmeade, there was Forbidden Journey, Pandora, it was Flight of Passage. Where this, I, I assume that Rise of the Resistance is meant to be like the bigger, more important ride and will eventually be the one that, that we recommend getting the Fast Pass for. But it seems a lot closer in this. Like it seems like they've built, from all the descriptions, it seems like they've built two very major rides in this right. land, which um, is something that I don't really remember them doing. I mean, even when they did New Fantasyland, you know, I mean, Seven Doors Mine Train is the clear like top ride there. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a long time since they've built a land that you can't that miss. Had multiple like huge yeah. rides, yeah. But what's your answer? Like you guys, I was thinking you'd like approach this like from your heart or something, but you guys were so logistical about it. I would plan two it. days there. Uh, well, that's what, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that is the answer. You try to get one one day and one on a different day. <gasps> the answer might be that it, it doesn't really matter because yeah. you're going to, you get a fast pass for one and then you try to rope drop the other one. Yeah, no exactly. You're you going to wait in line yeah. for the other one. My guess is it's going to be Rise of the Resistance. I I feel like assuming everything works the way it's supposed to and everything we hear about it is accurate, I think that's going to end up being the the bigger ride. It just seems more epic in um, scope. It, it seems more grand. Yeah, epic is yeah. what I was looking for exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where the Millennium Falcon is still just kind of a simulator ride. It just happens to be in the greatest spacecraft that's the one you're going to go home and talk so, about. Yeah even the most is going to be rise of the resistance and going to get yeah. yeah. If you guys have not read up about it, I highly suggest you do so. Or I know Jim and Len have a podcast episode yep. about it with one of the journalists who was there. Is it Carly Weisel or Weasel? Weisel? I think it's, I think it's Weisel. I think it's Weisel. I, I don't remember exactly. But, uh, and, and actually on our, uh, while we're recommending our YouTube channel again, which is, is youtube.com slash drawing plans. I did a video a couple weeks ago where I went through all of the known items from uh, star Wars galaxy's edge. So yeah, it's just going to be a lot in there too. But uh, yeah, I think, I think the millennium Falcon is the one you'll see the most like Instagram photos of um, because they have basically created a ride 
where they are asking you <laughs> to take pictures from inside the Millennium Falcon. It's like a hundred so, feet long. I think they're trying to perfect the um the chess game. Oh my the gosh. Holo, the, yeah, the holo, the, holo chess the, or something. I can't remember the, the name. It's, it's Dejarek is the, the real name. But yeah. But yeah, the holochess table. Can you take and, a photograph yeah, of that? Or will because sometimes those holograms don't show up. They kind of said in passing, oh, we're working on that, but I don't know if they're really working <laughs> okay. on it or if it's just something that they kind of say like, oh, yeah, we're trying. In in short, like there's going to be kind of a, a queue area where right before you get into the cockpit where you're allowed to just kind of mill around the lounge from the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. while you wait for your party to be called. So, And they did that on purpose, knowing that it would slow the line way down as people were stopping to take pictures of everything. So this way they are basically telling you, okay, you can have this time to, to take all your photos. So you will see that a million times on, on Instagram. But uh, but yeah, I agree with Ryan. I think Rise of the Resistance is the one that will, will wow people eventually. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Was there anything else we wanted to discuss before wrapping up? Not for my end. We'll have to have you back uh, once we actually know how this is going to work. Or maybe maybe over the summer in between the two lands, once we know how Disneyland's works a little bit and we can talk a little bit more strategy for uh, Disney World. Yeah, that would be great. All right, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. It was great having you. Thank you for you. having me. It's been an honor. You can find Ryan on Twitter at... at B of OF, so B of M underscore Ryan. And Jeremy, I believe, is the same, which is at B of M underscore Jeremy or at backsideofmagic.com. Brian and I, we will have our information in the show notes. You can find us at Touring Plans on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can visit touringplans.com for more information. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money-saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.